Welcome to Kibbe on Liberty. This is part of a special series before the election where I'm going to introduce you to some of the most interesting libertarian candidates running across the country at the local level. Today we're talking to Hannah Waugh, who is running for Lake County Commissioner in Colorado, and she represents the very ethos of what I think libertarianism is all about. Bottom up, mutual respect, coming together at the community level to solve problems face-to-face. Sounds like something we desperately need during these times of hyper-tribal partisanship, and I think you're going to love meeting Hannah. Check it out. Okay, Hannah, hey, how's it going? Hey, good, how are you? Uh, I see that you're digging DC weather. It's, um, what is it? It's uh, Is it October? I can't even know what I, month it is. I think it's like the end of September. To be honest, I don't even know what year we're in anymore. Yeah. We're I, in lockdown. We're in permanent lockdown. So time, space, the rule of law, none of this matters. It's one of those things like you keep seeing that meme on Facebook or whatever that's like January, February, quarantine, December. And I'm like, yeah, I, I have no status of time anymore. I'm wearing yeah. pants today, so that's acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> Unusual, because I'm glad you wore pants because this is a full screenshot here. So. It, well, even better. Yeah. I don't know. You never know what helps anymore. You never know. <laughs> so you are running for Lake County Commissioner. Yes, sir. So you're a politician. I am. Yeah. Not by trade. I never thought that I would do this. Yeah. It never was part of my soul to be like, I want to be a politician. And had I told Hannah like 10 years ago, this is what I'd be doing, I would have laughed. Yeah. Not, but is your old self going to come back and shame you once you become an elected official? (laughs) I hope not. I hope that I'd be excited about why I'm doing it, but it was never anything I pictured. So what was the decision process to decide to get into local politics? I just, I think our local politics have gotten so red and blue, you know, because my party says I have to do this. I have to do this. And I, it, doesn't suit small communities to say this is why I'm doing this is because my political party says and so I got angry and then I decided hey it's time to change yeah and so I decided to run um and I wasn't even going to run I had a mutual friend kind of push me into it and I thought it was going to be a lot harder to run and it wasn't um, got getting my name on the ballot was super easy and I have one opponent. Yeah. So is, I'm in it. So it's obviously, it's a partisan race because you're a registered libertarian, um, and you're running against a Republican or a Democrat? A Democrat. Yeah. Yeah. So he's actually from Washington, DC living Uh-oh. in my very tiny town. <laughs> and your uh, Lake County skews a little bit Republican, but not, no, I'm sorry, a little bit Democrat, but not like 10 points difference. Is that about right? <laughs> I think I just broke everything. Yeah. Um, it's not a huge difference. I think if I'm remembering correctly, the 2006 election was like 52% Hillary, um, 48% Trump. Yeah. And yeah. it's, I think most people sit right in the middle. I think more people in the county are more libertarian than they know. There's a there's a thing about Colorado. It has it has a libertarian spirit where um, 
they, you know, people just want to live their lives and be left alone. That, that's sort of the common sense version of libertarianism. And then there's the, the, the geeky dorky version that I embrace where we, we quote economists and things like that. But to me, it's just like common sense values. And I, I really feel that when I'm in Colorado and some of my friends have argued that your democratic governor has, has a real libertarian streak. You know, he, I think Governor Polis has had a libertarian streak. I think he's become more democratic since he's been in office. Um, but in the past, I think he has been far more libertarian. And I think comparing Colorado to a lot of states in lockdown or during the pandemic, I guess I should say, Colorado has kind of been like, all right, you know, you don't need to wear a mask all the time wear it when you go into private business. And it kind of escalated from there, but we seem to be a little bit more free compared to the other states with Democratic governors. Yeah, it's a little more chill, a little less authoritarian. It could be because pot's legal, yeah. but yeah. Does that take the edge off? I don't know, I don't use it, but <laughs> I've been told. May. I've been told it. You know, I mean, if you're in Denver, psychedelic mushrooms are legal, so All right. go for it. Um, but I, I like I was on your Facebook page um, and sort of cyber stalking you to find out what you're all about. And and I found your your story and your message to be really compelling. And I, I'm, I'm spending more time uh, talking to libertarians that are running at the local level, because I think unlike national politics, I mean, if you're running for senator, you're running for president. Um, there's a little bit of absurdity to it. I want all this power so that I can set you free. And that's like a libertarian joke that we have that because you know, it makes no sense. Yeah, like in what manner are we saying like, "Hey, give me all of the decision making that you get to have, and I'll give you all your freedoms"? Like, yeah. no, yeah. that doesn't work. You're just a walking, you know, conundrum. And I don't want to say conundrum. Can't think of the word I'm trying to use. Uh, a mystery. Yeah, that. Except it's not a mystery because yeah. we know that they're just in it for the power. Yeah, and but. There's 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 been a movement within the Libertarian Party, and, you, and you're part of that either purposefully or not, that we should stop focusing so much on Washington, D.C. and go back to the local level where libertarian values of, of cooperation and transparency and just let's just fix this problem as neighbors. I mean, that is the libertarian ethos, but it, it, it seems like even at the local level, we've gotten hyper-partisan and... and just dysfunctional. So I feel like that is the place where this sort of common sense message might play. It is. You know, my my campaign logo that I kind of came up with <clears throat> randomly a few months ago was people over politics. Like if I like you as a person and I believe that you have the skills and are going to be transparent and honest, then I'm going to vote for you. I don't care what your political party is. I care about who you are as a person because I think that speaks more to how you'll run your politics. Like, I'm a terrible liar. Cannot lie to save my life anymore. You're going to fail in politics. I no. probably am. Uh, my very first donation I got, I actually called the guy and asked if he wanted his money back because I couldn't believe that somebody would want to donate, uh, which seems so silly now because I know the message and I know how it works. But maybe that's the type of person we need more in politics. We don't need people who are like, oh, yeah, donate to my campaign so I can get more power. It's why are you donating to my campaign? I should theoretically be donating to the public because you should be wanting to elect me. Yeah. Because I should be representing you. You know, I'm fascinated by this because at least 
um, when it comes to their own lives and it comes to their personal philosophy, all of my progressive friends talk a lot about community and they, 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 they want problems solved at the local level. Um, at least they say they do, but you know, when it comes to national stuff, they want to centralize it a lot, a lot. They want to push things to a central power and Republicans are the same way in a lot of ways. They, they believe in community. You know, they believe in, you know, God and country and church and, and neighbors helping neighbors and all that stuff. So this, this is not a partisan thing. Like this is, this is like an American ethos that, um, if we're, if we're getting together as neighbors, we're going to figure out a solution. I don't really care how you voted for president, but, but you had this post that, that I thought was, um, simple and profound at the same way. You, um, found a defaced Trump sign and you cleaned it off. Because it pissed you off that I tried to clean it off. You tried that to is clean a lot it off. harder than you think when the sign is ten feet tall. Oh, that was um, a ten foot sign. Wow. Yeah. So I'm like at the bottom, like trying to scrub it off, and the only thing that takes it off is acetone. Um, so I now reek of you know nail polish remover. But the thing about it is, is no, I'm not a Republican. Um, I'm not a Democrat. But had somebody defaced one of my signs or something on my property, I would love to have a neighbor come help. Like, why is it so hard that we have to say, you're voting for this or you agree with this and I hate you because of it? Yeah. And I get that it, it sometimes infringes on people's rights, but it's also your right to have those opinions. Yeah. It shouldn't be that hard. You can wear whatever you want. I can wear whatever I want. You don't need to have an opinion about it. I used to love arguments because arguments were a way that you sort of sort of aired out your grievances and and got to a point where you could agree on something but now it seems like the argument is the end of everything and if your neighbor has a Joe Biden sign and you're a Trump guy or vice versa it's like an act of war and it's like whatever happened to that sort of Norman Rockwell sense that that we all get to speak our opinions in the public square and then we work it out well, we also used to tar and feather people, so times change. Um, <laughs> maybe for the better. I mean, maybe we need to bring that back in certain special cases. I, you know what, I agree. I think it would be only for elected officials. So you know what, it would hold them more accountable. Yeah. Like I'd be down if I lied and stole money or didn't do things properly. By all means, tar and feather me. Yeah. Let me figure out how to get that out, like that out of my hair. Yeah. Um, but it's just it's a fascinating thing to think about that we can no longer have these conversations and respect different. Um, it's sorry. A, there's animals that run across the ceiling of this garage. So you mean it's not just the politicians in D.C.? There's it, actual animals here. It actually might be the NSA because <laughs> we, be we sometimes say subversive things here. But well, well, it's cool. life goes on. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we used to just be did, able to. Did have you get the squirrel in the sound? Sweet. <laughs> Um, we used to be able just to have those conversations and do those things. And now it's we don't even want to have conversations. We suddenly have shut everyone down. And we're supposed to be a land built on diversity and be this cultural mixing pot. And we don't even accept that anymore. Yeah. Like, and we don't even try to educate people and say, hey, like, this is why I believe X. These are the things that I have behind that. Instead, it's like, oh, you're a snowflake. You're a Trumpkin. Like, yeah. And name calling doesn't help anybody. I mean, I name call when I have road rage, which I think everybody does, but it doesn't do anything. Well, to, that's therapy. I mean, yeah. Yeah. 
but it doesn't do anything for the other person. Yeah. They don't care. Right. So why do you, why do we do that? You know, I, I have a, I have a theory about this, that, that the, the reason that our politics have gotten so hostile and even violent, I mean, we're seeing violence in the streets now and it, it breaks my heart for my country, but, um, so much, and you're seeing this, like we're two blocks from the Supreme court and, um, the, the reaction to the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg went so quickly. Even that night, we walked over and, and hung out on the steps with people that were mourning her passing. But even that night, it, it immediately switched to not respecting her so much, but like um, we have to destroy the Republicans so that they don't get to replace her. Well, and, you know, it's kind of the thing that we we seem to have taken on when you look at any national tragedy that we have. And things like that where we no longer want your thoughts and prayers. We no longer want to mourn and come together as a community. We want to use these things as ammunition. Yeah. And I have a lot of respect for Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I really do. She was a pioneer for many women's rights. And I mean, heck, she lived a long life. But one, why are we idealizing any politician or anyone who works for the government? They should be idealizing the community. And two, why is it that 15 minutes later after she passes, everybody's using her quotes to attack one another? Yeah. Like that's not that's not coming together as a community and that doesn't serve anybody. It's because she had so much power and we do the same thing with the presidency now, like these nine men and women have so much power over our lives. It's. It's a form of warfare that that someone that I disagree with, and I, you know, I, I she was a badass in terms of of being sort of a, a feminist pioneer in my mind, but her economic decisions I thought were horrible, and that's fine, and and I can disagree with her, but I I sort of imagine a Supreme Court where the opinions, whatever they are, of those nine people don't matter that much because their original function was actually just um, defend the Constitution so that I have enough rights that I don't actually have to care about who you are but we don't we don't defend the constitution anymore i mean let's be honest how many people can you go up to on the street and ask them anything about the constitution they don't know i mean i'll be honest until maybe four or five years ago i didn't really know a ton about the constitution or the bill of rights and we just don't take it upon ourselves to educate us more beyond like hey yo this person i graduated with in high school posted this on facebook well, that person you graduated with is probably also in a, you know, multi-level marketing scheme. So take that with a grain of salt. You're saying everything I read on Facebook's not true? Oh my gosh, that's what Abraham Lincoln told me. <laughs> right after he released the secrets of Area 51. I I I shared that post 5 times. Did you really? Yeah. I'm so proud of you. Um the this fight and and you by the way, no no pressure or at all, but you are the solution to all of these problems because we got to stop looking at Supreme Court, got to stop do. looking at the president, and we got to start looking at at how our local community functions and why we don't know more about about decisions that actually impact our lives in a real way. You know, I I don't ever want to say I'm the solution because I think putting something like that out there causes people to idealize you, and in no way, shape, or form should I be idealized. Like we should be proud when I shower every other day. Simple things like that. But we have to look at like, it's not about your elected officials. It is about what you are doing in your community. On a grand level, the president doesn't really affect what I do on a day-to-day basis. You know, maybe 
if I were to be affected and I needed to have an abortion or if my skin tone was a different color or things like that, I might be a little bit more concerned. And I recognize that's privilege. I have a very privileged life compared to others. But I think we need to look more at changing what's in our communities so that those elected officials have to change their mindsets. If you can't go and feel safe in your own neighborhood and have conversations and feel open to share, like, these are my experiences, that's not on the president. That's on you for not making a neighborhood that is open and welcoming and something that everybody wants to be a part in. And your local officials will follow. I've said it from the beginning. When the people lead, the leaders will follow. And that's all we have to do. So it's time, I hate to say like cause an uprising because Lord knows that's going to like get some people's tar and feather sticks out. But why do we give these, you know, 500 people who represent us so much power when we have a larger community that has more power than they do? Oh, I, I believe in peaceful revolution and I believe in taking our power back and and there's a um, a book that I've talked about before. It's called A Force More Powerful, and it's about nonviolent revolutions, including mm-hmm. the civil rights movement, including solidarity, um, uh, Gandhi's efforts to unite India. These were all nonviolent ways that people took power back from, even from dictators. So I think mm-hmm. I think the voice of the people is is the most powerful thing, um, provided that people actually step up. and And I want to I want to talk about your you you have a basically a three footed stool or a three-step platform or a three-step uh prong get yourself sober kind of thing (laughs) but the first one is transparency and Mm -hmm. and what is what does that mean specifically in lake county what's what's going on there that this issue matters i think a lot of the issues is we're seeing that when the community does vote against something say um, for example, we voted not to pursue a area of land um, for a new justice center. Colorado state law requires that every county has a jail. Currently, our jail is in such disarray that we have to pay to house inmates anywhere else, which does cost a lot of money, costs taxpayer money. However, pursuing this piece of land is probably going to cost a couple million dollars because it's owned by a large corporation. Pros and cons there. I mean, we have to think it through, but the voters said no. And instead, our elected officials are choosing to pursue that land anyway. Um, And where's the transparency in those decisions? We have other parcels of land we can use. Why are you so dead set on this land? I mean, is there a secret Indian burial ground there? Is this like pet cemetery? Do we need to like uprise things like I don't know but nobody knows so why are we letting you decide you want to do that Um, and why do you change your mind on certain things you know you could come to me and say Hannah are you going to vote yes that we're going to ban all candy and I'm going to say no we're not going to do that and then I choose to vote yes to ban all candy well wouldn't you like to know why I changed my mind maybe something got presented to me who knows Maybe some carrot corporation came and paid me $7 million to change my vote. But wouldn't you like to know the transparency of it? Wouldn't you like to know what's going on and why the budget is laid out the way it is? I mean, I for one would like to know why we're paying other counties in Colorado thousands of dollars. 
I would like to know why we don't have itemized lists of we paid this citizen $70 last month. Why did we pay this citizen $70? Doesn't make sense to me. That's my tax dollars going to somebody else, but I don't know for what. So has there been um, a lack of public meetings or monkey business about when they happen and how they happen so that people don't have access to the ask those questions? Well, yeah. I mean, the hard thing is, is our community meetings and our commissioner meetings are at 1 p.m. during the workday. <laughs> so um, I don't know. I mean, I have a job. Um, I, I can't attend meetings at that time. The other thing is, is with the whole pandemic, they're all on Zoom. Well, I've been locked out of Zoom meetings before. I mean, sometimes I touch the screen and my computer blows up. For being a millennial, I'm not great with technology. Um, it's kind of unfortunate. We have that in common. I, <laughs> I break large social media platforms just by touching my screen. Same's about right. I've gone through four computers this year. <laughs> I'm not sure if I'm impressed or kind of dismayed at my ability. But, you know, I can't always get into those meetings. I can't imagine somebody who's older trying to get into those meetings if they're using Zoom for the first time. Or if they we don't have the meetings translated, we have a very large Hispanic and Mexican community. None of those meetings are in Spanish. How are they supposed to express their concerns? Yeah. So we're just blocking out basically anyone who could have an opinion or have a question. And what's the reason behind that? Like, why don't you want more feedback from your community? Because then come election time, everybody's fired up and mad and you don't know why. Yeah. And it like it, it dawned on me, like I was reading um, some of that on your Facebook page and it, it dawned on me at the local level, um, communities kind of have to go, they have two choices. They can go through this messy process of working through things, even though everybody disagrees and, mm -hmm. and people don't have all the information and they're struggling to figure out what's going on. Um, but that's that's how it is. And the alternative is some backroom secret deal where somebody's probably feathering their nest at the expense of the of the public and you, you just don't know what the hell's going on. I thought you said feathering their nuts and I was like, well, that's one way to put it. Um, I'm not sure what's going on here, but okay. Google that. I don't, I don't even know exactly what <laughs> that is. Don't Google but. that. You, the NSA doesn't need to know what's on your phone. Um, <laughs> but I mean, that's kind of, I don't know if you've ever watched Family Guy, but I think about the episode where Lois gets elected as mayor and she like stops them from, I think it's like dumping in the lake or something like that. And then somebody comes along and is like, oh, you want to buy that for a jacket? Like, here you go. And it just makes me wonder, like, does this really happen at the local level? But the thing is, is I don't trust anyone in the government enough to know that, like, when they say they aren't being swayed because of certain things, that they're actually not being swayed. Yeah. And that's that's a lack of transparency. Like, how are we supposed to respect anybody? I mean, it's the same thing. I mean, getting like on a national level is... Everybody's fired up about the tra tax returns right now, which I don't know why we're, s I mean, I get why we're upset, but that's also the government's fault. Like the government allowed you to do that. It's our fault for not taking advantage of it. But that's a lack of transparency in the tax laws, because theoretically you and I could take advantage of all those loopholes. We just don't know how. And that's a lack of transparency that sets other people ahead yeah. or allows us to hide things. So remind me, you have two other core principles and remind me what those are 
Do you remember? Way to put me on the spot and make me panic. Um, Transparency. Respect. Respect. And accountability. Accountability. Yeah. Um, And I think, so with the respect and the kind of thing that falls into it is, um, I mean, you briefly got to go through Leadville in Lake County um, when you were up. And we have a very unique town. We're kind of the last affordable little kind of quirky mountain town in that area of Colorado, in the High Rockies. Um, at one point, Leadville was going to be the state capital for Colorado. And then Denver won somehow. <laughs> huh. <laughs> um, but we're surrounded by these huge resort communities. And we're the last place for affordable housing. We're the, we have one grocery store. The closest next grocery store is 35 minutes away. So we're just kind of this little tucked away nest full of these odd things. I mean, where else in the world are you going to go in one random weekend and see ski drawing in the middle of March? Which if you're not familiar, you have a bunch of alpine skiers getting pulled behind a horse down Main Street to catch rings and go off jumps. I need to go see that. Now. I think you should. I didn't it's even fantastic. know what it was. Yes, you should. You there's should there's been a hole in my life and I didn't even know it. <laughs> I love it. I think it's a great weekend. I think most people will agree. But I want to respect our community and keep it unique while also recognizing like we have to move forward. Yeah. We need more long-term sustainable businesses. I think it's about 68% of our workforce goes over one of the mountain passes into another community to work. Because we don't have jobs. So how is that sustainable? Like you can't have a community without jobs. Especially when tourism is affected. Like we saw with the pandemic and the shutdown of all the ski resorts and hotels and such. Our food bank went from serving 150 people a month to 300 people a week. That's one food bank. So how how are we going to respect our community and keep it stable for the future? Um, and then accountability, this just goes back to the transparency, is being held accountable to the de- decisions we make. So if, again, the candy corporations ask me not to ban candy and the carrot corporation pays me more, being held accountable for the decision that I made. Maybe my decision shuts down the candy factory in town and I need to be held accountable for all those people who lost jobs. We should be holding our elected officials more accountable. And we tend to write it off because we idealize them. You know, oh, well, they didn't mean it. They said it when they were young. They did it when they were young. They wrote that bill in a different time. No, hold them accountable for their actions. If you and I go do anything like that, I can tell you right now, we break the law. The cops are there to hold us accountable. Somebody else breaks the law who's got higher power. They walk away. And that's... Not fair. We need to hold everybody to the same standards. So I hear that that libertarian thing coming out. <laughs> I would hope. Um, so have you always been a libertarian? Like, why did you decide to run as a libertarian? Um, so I was not always a libertarian. Um, in high school, I was convinced I was a Democrat. Um, very convinced. And then I went to college and thought that I was a Republican. Um, was very convinced that I was... Republican and was super like gung-ho about it Um, and then I moved to Texas which at the time was a very red state and I was like wait a minute I'm not Republican because I think what I ultimately clicked for me um, and it was actually a book 
by Judge Gray. He's a very kind man. Um, I appreciate him endlessly. But Libertarian icon. He is. He is so nice. Um, I just, he's such a sweetheart. I'm very fond of him in case you can't tell. <laughs> but I read one of his books and then I realized I don't care who you marry. I don't care how many guns you own. I don't care if you have 13 dogs as long as you're taking care of them. I don't care if you only eat cheese Whiz. Like it is not my life to judge you or tell you how to live. Now, I mean, I may be a little bit like questioning your life decisions if you're like licking your feet in the middle of the grocery store. Like I may just have some questions, but I'm not here to tell has, you. Has like, that happened lately? Is, is no, that a thing? no, okay. I haven't. I haven't witnessed that lately. But anymore, I just try to get in and out of the grocery store and avoid contact with basically everyone. Yeah. You open yourself to a whole other wormhole when you're running for office in a small town. Yeah. Um, so in and out, pick up my che- cheese whiz and leave. Um, but in the privacy of your own home, licking your feet is cool. I mean, you can do it wherever you want to do it. Just recognizing that people may not understand and may be judgy. We will judge. Yeah. We're Judgment's everybody's. Fine. Everybody is a judgmental creature. Yeah. Everybody is. And if they say they're not, they're lying. And lying's worth worse than judging. So, so when did you discover the L word and when did you read Judge Gray's book? Um, so that was probably 2014. Um, I read his book in 2014 and became a registered libertarian then. Um, but it didn't really like I didn't really think anything about it. I was like, well, this is great because it also gets me off all the Republican and Democratic like phone call lists like sweet because um, we all know those are miserable. Uh, but it wasn't until the 2016 election and I was sitting there listening to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton and just listening to all these things. I was like, man, I really don't agree with either of you. And Gary Johnson was there and I was like, you know, I really support a party that just lets people live their life. Like we have two things that we're supposed to be a part of and that's the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. Other than that, let me live my life. As long as I'm not harming anybody, as long as I'm not taking advantage of anybody, what does what I do affect what you do? It seems like, um, and it was certainly true in 2016, but it seems really um, a sharp point today that neither Donald Trump or Joe Biden are running for anything. They're just running against the other guy and the other tribe and, and their entire sales pitch is those guys are awful don't let them have the power it blows my mind i don't know if you and we can get into the bias of media and things like that but i was actually reading a couple of different websites the other day and came across a cnn opinion article that was talking about joe biden's policies and when i talked with my friends who are biden supporters and i was like well do you know this about their policies no i don't care he's just not trump and i'm like wait (laughs) Like, are we just at this point where we have no standards anymore where we're like, hey, you're just not the other person? Yeah. You know, that's like, I think of it as an abusive relationship. And it's, you know, one guy is terrible for this reason and the other guy is terrible for this reason. But I keep going back and forth between them because, hey, it's just not the other guy. Yeah. Like, if you had a child that was in a relationship, like you had a daughter or a son that was in an abusive relationship like that, you wouldn't let them do it. 
So why do we continue like to allow ourselves to do that and expect for things to be okay? I think no matter who wins, um, I would love to see Joe win in November. But no matter who wins, we've got a mess that we have to break up with. And we start by doing that at the local levels. Start by breaking up these terrible relationships we have with our mayors, our commissioners, our state senate representatives, our house representatives. Start breaking up with those terrible relationships and stop just letting the excuse be, well, I'm going to vote for X because Y sucks. Your reasoning sucks. Find something you actually believe in. Yeah. So that's a that's a perfect segue, and I, I want to wrap up with this, but we met at a pop-up drive-in theater in Minturn, Colorado, and this Eagle County is just north mm-hmm. of Lake County, and uh, our mutual friend, Seth Levy, had organized a showing of, this is a shameless plug for Free the People, right there, well-branded. Um, Way our to do- represent yourself. Yeah, you got to do it. Um, <laughs> our... our not so new documentary anymore, but How to Love Your Enemy, a restorative justice story. And it was, and this is where I met you, and you, you, you were one of our speakers, and we had Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians and law enforcement and the district attorney's office. And Seth is a force of nature that he gathered all these people together in one place to have a conversation about our broken justice system and what we could do differently from the bottom up based on local action. And, and to me, it's a, it's, a, it's a perfectly libertarian idea that you wouldn't outsource justice to some top-down, one-size-fits-all system and instead ask the community to step up and start solving those problems. And, and uh, the Eagle County seems ready to talk about that. Um, do you think that 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 idea is is a is is something that that might get people to everyone says think globally act locally or whatever they say um but they never do it like we're all obsessed about rb rbg instead of like what's going on down the street from us but could restorative justice sort of teach people how to actually work together at the local level and not worry about who president is i think it could um you know, it's interesting. So Seth, being the force of nature that he is, great human being. Um, I also appreciate him. Oh, we should him talk endlessly. trash about him, I feel. Oh, probably. Yeah. I thought he was here in Washington, D.C. So imagine my surprise this morning when I step off the plane and he's like, oh, I'm in Colorado. I was like, why are like, yeah. you're in charge of me. Where are you? <laughs> um, but, you know, it's one of those things that I think about that we should have I don't understand why we're letting other people have the power over our problems Um, and why we keep. I understand we need judges. We need lawyers. We need some form of law enforcement. I'm not over here screaming defund the police. I'm saying, hey, wait a minute. Let's keep everybody actively involved. Um, And I think, you know, as with that documentary and everything, Longmont, Colorado does an amazing job of it. You know, the arresting police officer or the ticketing police officer um, is part of that community feedback. You've got business owners. You've got most of the time you have the victim, not all the time. Um, and I think that that's it's something that we have to do um, to kind of get through it. You know, it's written in many religious texts 
that you're not supposed to judge, even though we all do. Um, and you're supposed to act with forgiveness and, you know, make reparations for your sins. So we go to church, we confess our sins, we confess our sins in other manners. You have, I mean, yesterday was Yom Kippur. We have all of these things that kind of help us repent, but we don't allow other people to repent against us. So how are we practicing what we preach? And I think when we look around and say, okay, Matt, how dare you steal my Tootsie Roll? I'm very offended by it. You're really into candy, by the way. I have no idea why. I don't know why this is the first thing. Maybe it's because I work with children. Yeah. Um, so it's like always something that gets their attention. Maybe you just look like you need a pick-me-up throughout the day. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but we'll rephrase that. So maybe I say, hey, Matt, you kicked my cat. I'm offended by that. My cat's hurt. We need to fix this. You know, well... I could just, if it's a repeated problem, then maybe you're an animal abuser and we need to have a different conversation. But maybe I need you to come scoop my cat's litter box for the next three weeks. And then you learn like, oh, this animal actually has to be taken care of. And I see the pain that I've caused. But we just, we're so quick to just shut people down. Um, And I'm pretty sure that everybody watching or everybody, you know, who's in this room. So (laughs) all of all of us. Um have made mistakes where somebody's let us kind of make it up to them. I mean, my sister and I have gone rounds and fought with each other, and we always end up kind of repenting back to each other, saying, I'm sorry I did this, like, this is how it hurt, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But without addressing those things, how are we ever supposed to change someone? You know, it's the same conversation we just had about educating people. Our justice system isn't made to educate people. Why do you think we have so many repeat offenders? They're taught that they're bad and they just continue to be bad. Instead of saying, oh, hey, I see what my actions have done and I see that I feel better by fixing them, by making something better for my community. And And it's the same principles we've been talking about this entire conversation, but applied to a justice system that everyone seems to agree is broken. Mass incarceration in, in this country rivals some of the most authoritarian states in the world. Oh, but we're not authoritarian. Don't let people yeah. hear you say that. And it's, <laughs> but it's such a shocking fact that no one disputes, and yet we keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting something different. So there's, there's very conservative law and order, um, fiscally responsible reasons to reconsider this because in the documentary, the one thing that they accomplished was a, a radical reduction in recidivism. People that made their first mistake had a chance to take responsibility, make it right, and and move on and become uh, productive members of their communities. So it's, you know, it, it can sound kind of hippy-dippy, but it's a very practical way that people and neighbors and communities take responsibility and, and start to fix problems from the bottom up. And that's that's why I like the story because again, it's not it's not Republican, it's not Democrat. Um, it it may be libertarian-ish, but it's not political at all. It's about people solving problems. Yeah, you can't slap a label on it and say I disagree with it because of the Democrats or the Republicans or the libertarians. But I think one of the things that kind of struck with me, stuck with me the most, or struck me. I mean, you could go both ways with that. Was how we 
actively, when you're doing the restorative justice system, how we actively include everybody. So not one person has the power. Um, the power is then dispersed back to the victim and back to the community and even back to the police officer so they can say, hey, like this is how it affects everybody. This is how you hurt everyone around you, not just a judge or someone saying, hey, you broke this law six months in jail because there's no explanation on how you necessarily hurt anybody. And I mean, we've talked about it as well, where we say, OK, well, we can't use this with murder. I don't think that I would want to see this used with murder. Um, but I mean, we'll get personal for a second as I think about I was raped at a young age um, and I never turned the guy in because when you're 16 and scared, like, <laughs> what are you supposed to do? Um, but in my situation, I absolutely, looking back on it, would love to have had that person sit down and hear about how it affected me, how it affected the person who had to, you know, take care of me, how it affected my boyfriend at the time, how it affected all of these other people, and maybe get them to realize, like, hey, I am being an absolute piece of shit. Like, I need to clean my act up. And you know what? If they can't clean their act up, well, then we do have jails and we do have things like that. But I would like to believe that in everybody's heart, they do have good. I don't think anybody is just born the Antichrist, so to speak. Like everybody has something good in them and they want to be a good, productive member of society. You know, and I think a lot of crime that especially restorative justice kind of faces is crime where people are acting out of a need. Maybe they're stealing because they really need something. Maybe they're acting out because they need attention. Maybe they need a safe place to have a home or a family, or maybe they even just need a place to shower. And I think restorative justice kind of gives us that ability to have that area. Do you think there's a, so when Seth and I were talking after that event, um, and and by the way, uh, members of law enforcement hung out in the parking lot, and it was it was very socially distant, appropriate, because we're all standing six feet apart in the dark, in a parking lot. At least you're safe. You do have yeah. law enforcement officers there. Yeah. Um, as a libertarian, I was a little freaked out when you sound like mountain lion. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, you mean like we were that close to getting eaten by a mountain lion? You are in like the middle of the high Rockies and you're like, oh, we're just standing around in the dark. Like, so, so now I feel totally different about that experience <laughs> be because it was uplifting where everybody was uh, starting to talk about this. And apparently we were close and you have bears too, right? Bears, mountain lions, nomads. I mean, you're, you're just discouraging people like me from moving to Lake County. That's oh, no. what you're doing right now. That wasn't in Lake County. You can move to Lake County. That was in Eagle County. No cougars and lions and bears in Lake County. No. Just me. Totally safe. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't say I'm totally safe, but yeah, <laughs> clearly not. But so now everybody's like fascinated about who's this lady. She seems kind of awesome. Where do they find out about you and your campaign? Um, so you can visit my website, um, Hannah, the number four. I should also say my name isn't spelled with an H at the end. So Hannah, H-A-N-N-A, the number four, lakecounty.com. Or I'm on my Facebook, which is Hannah for Lake County. Um, and my phone number is up there, so you can text or call. I probably won't respond if it's in the middle of the night. But 
I'm there to answer questions. You know, I'm there. We've got to be more accessible to people. Cool. And and we have to do something about mountain lions eating tourists, clearly. I'm just saying, it sounded super sketchy. Like, Well, they were, they were well-armed, though. Were and you? No, but yeah, you have a point. <laughs> All right, enough of this. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for watching Kibbe on Liberty. By now, you know this is the most important event of your week. So make sure you subscribe on YouTube. Click the little bell so you get notifications. Kibbe on Liberty, mostly honest conversations with mostly interesting people.